Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida! Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back to another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. Big news this week is I just happened to stumble across the fact that Pluto TV is now streaming seasons one through eight of the show. Uh, Now you have to ask yourself, why not one through nine? But I'll take what we can get, guys. So that's very exciting. Let's hope that lasts and maybe might even expand to the whole series. How nice to know that there's a place where it has a home. So those cards and letters you've been writing to your congresspeople, well, they're really paying off. Thank you. Also, this Sunday is Halloween. That means it's the podcast's third birthday. I've been doing this for three years, guys. You've been listening for three years That is insane to me. We have another year to go, a little bit more than a year. Thank you for sticking with it for this long, and uh, I look forward to what's coming down the pike. Now this week, Matthew and I welcome my good friend, actor-improviser Jen Gannon. Jen is a super funny, fun gal. So glad I got her on the show. And together, we watched and discussed Season 7, Episode 23, called The Graduate, which had an original air date of May 3rd, 1986. Are you ready to jump on in? Let's face the facts with Jen Gannon. Jen, I am living for your look. You are gorgeous. Isn't she, though? I love you. You're like a young, gorgeous Bette Midler. Do you get that a lot? Mm-hmm. And I love her. I wish I could sing like her. That would be amazing. Oh, honey. Not mm-hmm. like her now. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I saw her in Dolly, and she was struggling. When you walk out of Hello, Dolly, and say Carol Channing sang it better, oh. <laughs> you have issues. Yeah, she was doing all kinds of vocal techniques to hide the fact that she was rough. We got to hear, before the parade passes by, we got to hear that. And I was like, I was the only one in the theater that was like, really? Before the parade passes by? Okay, whatever. But you look like a stunning young Bette Midler. If Bette Midler had been pretty when she was young. Oh, God, I love you. Thank you. Welcome, Jen, and uh, high praise indeed from the one and only, you know, Matthew Arter (laughs) and his alter ego, Carol Lee. Yeah. And uh, she's like, who the fuck is this asshole? (laughs) But so glad we were able to to make this happen and coordinate this finally. Yay, you're here. It's happening. It is. So before we even really get to the show that we watched, uh, I always like to ask folks, you need not disclose your age, but I'm wondering, did you grow up with the facts of life, either in its original run or in reruns? Get no. out. She- I Get am out. so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, 
do I tell David and Matthew that I never watched it? Or, you know what? I'm just going to lay it on the table. <laughs> and I, I looked it up and kind of got some backstory. I'm just happy that I didn't start from the beginning where there was like 50 girls on oh. the show. And I was like, oh God, how do I start? And then like, when I watched the episode, I was like, well, I could try to catch up. There's no way. We're This is season seven. You guys yeah. are rolling along so i'm just like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna learn some things well you are in luck jen in the fact that we are in season seven and this is the season where the writers the producers the director changed and everybody said fuck the show bible <laughs> so um like really the backstory is completely superfluous to to anything that happens now much so. to david's agony and consternation, it drives me crazy constantly because being inconsistent, I'm like, how hard is, it's like, you were there, I'm watching it every week, you're making it. How hard is it for you to remember how old the character is? Or how hard is it for you to remember that 2D once upon a time said she had two brothers, but now somehow she only has one? Ooh, yeah, that would kill me. This is gonna be fascinating to get your input um, from a completely cold, fresh, point of view. Do you at least know Blair, Joe, Tootie, and Natalie? Did you even have any sense of the characters' names? Oh, before I watched the episode? No. No. <sighs> I don't. I'm so sorry. Uh, I, I'm just curious, like, how, like, I, I mean, I get it. Like, I couldn't tell you anything about the show Scarecrow and Mrs. King, but, like, did you not even know the show existed? I was familiar with the Mrs. Garrett character. Maybe it was from through like memes or something or she was family guy. <laughs> there we go. Mm -hmm. um, so I love and I love her. I love her. Like I would go back and start over and watch it because I love her so much. I love it that you're coming at this fresh. <laughs> yes, very fresh. Well, <laughs> shall we start getting into it? We are going to be discussing season seven, episode 23, called The Graduate. Uh, the original air date was May 3rd of 1986. So this episode was written by Barry Vigon, V-I-G-O-N. Uh, this is the only episode that he ever wrote for The Facts of Life. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you. Previous to this, he had written for Soap, Fame, Punky Brewster, and after this, he will go on to write for It's a Living, Open House, Who's the Boss, and Roseanne. And he would also both write and produce Martin, Malcolm and Eddie, and Veronica's Closet. Guess he got better as he went along. Um, Guess start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and the episode was directed by John Boab, who is the in-house director, who has directed all but two episodes this season. And uh, we've talked about him at great length. Uh, so Jen, uh, or as I love to call you, Jenga, your, your yeah. J-Lo name, I call you Jenga. Yeah. Um, this is your first time on the show. And this is the time when we like to put our guest on the spot and ask you if you would please provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode, similar to the short listing you might find in a TV guide. Go. Well, uh, will Tootie ease on down the road for her diploma or will she upset her parents? And why is Natalie bitching again? Come watch. <laughs> <laughs> that 
is perfect. <laughs> I have zero notes, Jen. Oh, that what? was perfection. Why is Natalie bitching again? That's that's what it should say. Absolutely. I just feel with her voice, which is so wonderful. I love her voice that I'm just like, I could see just she just bitches all the time. <laughs> she she is uh, the only Jewish character on the show. And she is, she's not the only Jewish performer. Uh, Charlotte Ray is also Jewish, but uh, Mindy Cohn from a very early age showed an affinity for the Borscht Belt vaudevillian, you know, Fanny Bryce kind of delivery of your punchlines. And you see oh, a right to that. It's so good. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Probably the best moment of that is when she gets on the phone to, to reschedule Tootie's audition. That was like classic. Yeah them writing exactly to what she does so incredibly well. David, I'm just going to have to say it. What? I know I, I, I whipped you the last time verbally by saying that you needed to accept some whimsy into your life and just accept certain things now in season seven. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I'm listening. I have three pages of no every line of this episode is wrong and I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I'm not going to be a negative Nelly. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> but I, I, I hated this episode. And, oh, and it is 99% to do with Tootie and yeah. that is all uh, so let's Ooh. go and I will try to not be mm. so the episode starts with Natalie at the typewriter and no sooner does she start typing her story which by the way it sounds awful like we have anytime we have Natalie writing something it, it Jen it literally begins with it was a dark and stormy night Mm. Or, you know, she'll be finishing reading a story and it's, then I woke up. Like it's, it is, okay, who writes sitcoms? Writers. Who are the people that are supposed to know good writing or stylistically different? St they, they, uh, there is no hard pass you can give any of them for Natalie being a lousy writer. But her work is always so superficial sounding. It's anyway uh but with natalie at the typewriter she's trying to get her uh get a story written and she's then also 18 and decided that she doesn't need to go to college to learn about writing she needs to experience life so she's the only one that's she's not in college jen she's just being a freelance writer when I think the only thing she's published is a letter to the editor from a couple episodes ago, which was wonderful. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, but yeah, it's always, and then I think she even says the line, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times, either in this episode or the, or the apartment. I, um, I think like, it's at the end of the next one when she's reading really? a story that she had written in her burst of inspiration. Yeah. So the arguments that Natalie is a good writer. I'm, I'm not sure there's a lot of evidence to back that up. We talked about that with Ken Reed, didn't we? When she was, uh, she was trapped, Jen, a few weeks ago at a luncheonette somewhere outside of 
Philly, was it? Which one? Natalie, the one that's writing the typewriter. Oh, okay, okay, yes. And and so she writes a story there and it's acted out around her and it's just, it is just bad shit, it's crazy. Um, but okay, we have to already stop here because you know I sent you to either the Daily Motion site or the Pluto TV site to watch the episodes streaming, which is where they are available. I initially watched the DVDs and then I came back and when I watched it again to take my notes, I was quite surprised to find a major difference. The DVDs do not include any music from The Wiz. So at the beginning of this episode, when Natalie is interrupted with, come on and ease on down, ease on down the road. Oh, David, oh. David, how dare you? What? <laughs> I believe it was. Jesus Christ. It was. I could have turned it off then. I would have. But go ahead. So there was no ease on down on the. What was she singing? Were they did they dub it over? That would be hilarious. They didn't dub it over. Well, they did dub it over. Here's the thing. Remember, she comes down and Natalie is like, would you shut the fuck up I'm trying to write here yeah. and uh, uh, I'm paraphrasing and then Tootie says well I'm getting ready to graduate and so she says could you sing something else and she says okay da 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 singing pomp and circumstance they took that soundbite of her singing pomp and circumstance and put it in place of ease on down the road so Episode is Natalie typing, interrupted by off camera. Da 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 da. She turns and says, Tootie, will you shut up? I'm trying to write. And then it cuts to Tootie actually going, da da. She does it twice. Like she's literally just doing it to annoy Natalie. And then she leaves. And of course, they take out Ease on Up the Stairs, which was her exit line. I'll see if I can post this on the website. They don't like, YouTube doesn't like you putting in excerpts of TV shows. I'll see if I can uh, post it on the website, but we just watched it. It is so bizarre. And similarly, when she is at the audition later, literally it's cut to 2D. Um. She added some flair though at the end, if you want to call it yeah. that. Yeah, she did some, she tried to do a little run. Of, ah, 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 yeah. 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 And it wasn't as good as what I just did. Uh, so, okay. Anyhow, I just had to point that out that I consider the DVDs to be canon. Anytime there's a discrepancy because the, the daily motion ones are the ones that are edited for syndication. But here's the deal. You know, pomp and circumstance, old song, no royalties. That's public domain. Okay. We don't have the song from The Wiz, but later when the accordion player shows up, he starts playing Hernando's Hideaway from a uh, pajama game. Ba-dum, ba-dum. They had to pay rights to do Hernando's Hideaway to Cy Coleman. And then later on, the accordion player, he starts singing and playing, there's a place for us from West Side Story. You think Bernstein and Sondheim are cheap when it comes to getting the rights to that? And yet those are in the version that I have on the DVD, but they didn't pay for the song from The Wiz. So. Sorry, Jen. We've gotten Tootie into the opening scene. <clears throat> and <laughs> go ahead. And nothing else. So regardless of what version you watch or what Tootie is singing, 
Natalie is annoyed because she's trying to write. I'm sitting here in the middle of our common space and how fucking dare the people that I live with intrude upon that and distract me. To further exemplify this, after Tootie eases on back up the stairs, in come Blair and Joe with a lot of hubbub and hullabaloo over what are we going to do to plan for Tootie's graduation party? Well, I think we should have Chinese food. That way we can have poo-poo platters. Ha-ha! There's a funny word. And uh, with that, Natalie is like, you're annoying me again. This is common space that we all share I don't know who's watching the store right now that we all own together. Andy and George Clooney are not in this episode. We don't know what's going on here. Did you know George Clooney was on the show, Jen? Uh, Yeah, with the opening. And I'm like, oh, why can't I get an episode with him and his mullet? That would Yeah, Yeah, it's too bad. We all think that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, we do have Andy in this episode, but we know Andy is not watching the store because Andy then comes in and uh, we have, there are, you know, so many TV tropes, Jen. Um, Matthews is, he hates the TV trope of people lying and mm. lying badly to make sure the audience knows that they're um, making it up as they go. Yeah. But another trope that is out there that I really hate, because it's like, how often does this really happen? When somebody walks into a room and announces someone behind them, like, on the Brady Bunch, da 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 presenting the new class president, Jan Brady. Yeah. The idea that, oh, she won. Well, have you ever in real life had somebody come into the room to announce someone else? No, but I take it. <laughs> we need to hire someone. Yeah, I'm not saying I wouldn't hire someone to do it if I were filthy fucking rich. That's another story. <laughs> But <laughs> but the deal is, this is the thing. So Andy comes in with the luggage and da, 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 announces the fanfare, the return of Mrs. Garrett, because she has been gone for a few episodes. So- um, And the zucchinis. And she brings them zucchinis. What the, there, there is something so, yeah, Matthew, you've got the look on your face that I had. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, she's bringing a house full of women some fresh-picked zucchinis. <laughs> These will be in the fridge. You <laughs> <laughs> need to eat it in four hours for that vitamin D. Since you're not getting any regular D, get some vitamin D, ladies. <laughs> Stick this in your poo-poo platter. No. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. I have the sense of humor of a 12-year-old boy, Jen. I apologize. That's okay. I started oh. But just to recap, the last time we had a full appearance of Mrs. Garrett physically on the set of the show was uh, episode 15. So that's that's of quite a few weeks ago, Stakeout Blues, where they had a cop show up and another TV trope. Yeah, could we use your business for a stakeout because there's a fucking murderer with an Uzi in the neighborhood? You know, if you would just be good, good citizens and let us cops hang out here. <laughs> anyway. But uh, there was a previous episode where she had been labeled as out of town. They got a letter from her. Uh, there are some episodes where there's no mention of them. We did get uh, the walk-on phone call in uh, the episode, uh, episode 18 called Concentration. Um, there was mention of her not being back in time for Blair's birthday 
uh, in uh, episode 20. But the interesting thing is that she talks about having been on a farm, having been back up in Appleton, Wisconsin, on the farm on which she was raised. The original conceit of her leaving the show being absent was that her sister Beverly Ann, which would eventually be Cloris Leachman, uh, Beverly Ann's going through a rough divorce and her sister needs her support. So she was gonna fly somewhere to see her. And then there was this very, very brief episode where Mrs. Garrett was supposed to show up and babysit for Blair's baby sister. And she's like, well, Beverly Ann and I are in the Winnebago and I'm at a payphone, but we're lost. And tells them the area coach, she's in New Jersey and they never make it home in time. And that, so we're, uh, and now at this point, Mrs. Garrett, no mention of Beverly Ann, Mrs. Garrett's just in Wisconsin and she will be back there next week, by the way, for the actual season finale. We're gonna get just a cutaway phone call of her in a kitchen somewhere in Wisconsin. So it's, it's very, very inconsistent. <laughs> And it's not one of those like, oh, but it's a show Bible moment. And they did, it's like, they're all literally sitting in the same writer's room. It's like, okay, Bob and Bob, you wrote that episode where that happened. And then Jeanette, you wrote this. And then Sam, you wrote that. Why are we not holding each other accountable? Oy. Anyway, but the good news is Charlotte Ray is present for this entire episode. And it is very fitting because this is Tootie's graduation episode. That's a big deal because once upon a time, Tootie's school slash high school was the central focus of the entire series. Did you know that? It used to take place at the school. Uh, no, I did not. But I, I mean, I'm so sorry. I knew they were troubled youth, right? And she kind of took care of them. Close enough. Uh, close <laughs> enough. It's actually a very she-she private school for girls. But the oh. first season, Mrs. Garrett was a den mother. And Mrs. Garrett had previously been the maid on different strokes, remember? With Gary Coleman and Todd. Did, did you watch different strokes? I don't know. Okay, moving on, moving on. You don't like black people? Oh, shit. <laughs> I probably saw more of that than this. I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> So when Mrs. Garrett comes inside, they make a bit out of her not taking her coat off. Please put a pin in that. Mrs. Garrett sits down with Tootie and first thing, I'm so glad I'm here for your graduation. And Tootie is like, uh, yeah, that's great. By the way, I have an audition for a professional touring production of The Wiz uh, this coming weekend, but don't tell my mom. And it's like, we've had the mom on the show before, Jen, and it was a bone of contention about this, you know, this acting crap, you need to be a lawyer. But we kind of thought they had buried the hatchet that there was some degree of moving toward meeting each other halfway. But this episode, we are right back where we started, where when we do meet Diane, when, when we uh, are reacquainted with Diane, Tootie's mother, she is instantaneously dismissive of Tootie's artistic desires and or wanting to be an actress and is harping on this you are going to be a lawyer you are going to college you are going to law school and it's like girl you need a new act come on jesus <laughs> but to back up to tootie telling mrs garrett this this would be um mrs garrett says oh it's great and doing a, a tour would be great fun before you start college in the fall and tootie's like eh, college smallage who needs to go to college if i'm going to be an actress 
the one kind of, I mean, she's not wrong, but she, I mean, you know I'll, what I mean? Like, I mean, we're, we're, you know, a testament to that, Matthew and myself. We're going to talk more about you later, Jen. Jen, did you go to school? Did you study uh, theatra? Yeah. You did? Yep. I, didn't, I didn't graduate college, though, but I went. I went. Okay. I went. Great. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's more than Matthew and I did. Uh, so uh, Mrs. Garrett is like, oh, well, you know, you're basically telling me here's a big secret and you can't tell my mother. She's like, oh, okay, it's going to be tough, but okay. Soon as Tootie leaves um, to go try on her cap and gown, Natalie comes downstairs and Natalie is like, hey, Mrs. Garrett, good to have you back. Um, I'm moving out. I've found an apartment or I'm looking for an apartment, but don't tell the girls. And Mrs. Garrett is like, I have two major events and I can't tell anybody and I haven't even taken my coat off yet. Then the doorbell rings. She gets up from the couch, starts to take her coat off and then puts her coat back on and then goes and answers the door with her coat on. Like, uh, we, you, we couldn't have just dubbed in the doorbell later that clearly she fucked up the cue, that clearly she got up from the couch, went, oh, I forgot that I was supposed to be starting to take my coat off, but the doorbell was gonna interrupt that for more, haha, Mrs. Garrett can't get her coat off hilarity. So it was just one of those completely, why would you just in the middle of it start to take your coat off and then put your coat back on? Take your coat off, throw it over your arm and you can answer the door, Jesus. As the wonderful Tim Williams, I believe it was Tim Williams said, <clears throat> the words, I can do that better, were never uttered on this set. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. Oh, uh, <laughs> my God, that's so true. He did. He did. He said that. And that, that wrecked us, man, because he was so right. So, so right. Um, at the door. Diane Ramsey. This is Tootie's mother, her second and final appearance as Tootie's mother, played by actress Chip Fields, who, guess what, Jen? That's Kim Fields' actual mother in real life. Oh, I love that. And if you love that, she will go on to play Kim Fields' mother on Living Single in the 90s, the next series that Kim Fields is on. Yeah. So she will have two series where mom played her mom. So that's lovely if they're close. Oh, I love that. That's great. Mm -hmm. And then she and then she can say the line, I need to take my coat off. <laughs> <laughs> was that your Mrs. Garrett impression? It was. It was. I'm going to keep working on it. But yeah, that was it. <laughs> I loved that. And everyone on this show is welcome to do their bad Mrs. Garrett impression to yes. help and join me in doing my bad Mrs. Garrett impression. <laughs> So Diane Ramsey is there, uh, the other trope. This graduation is so goddamn important. It is everything. It's your life's dream in college. And oh, your dad couldn't make it. Yeah, really? Really? You couldn't? I mean, granted, another body in, in this whole Michigas would have just been, you know, making it more it just would have added more mess to the mess. We didn't need another body there, but really, come on. We have met Tootie's dad. As a matter of fact, the flashback that's about to happen, uh, that's the episode where we meet Tootie's dad. And it's only one episode and we never ever see him again. That was season one 
So why in the world they didn't feel it was important, even if they gave him a walk-on, even if it was your father's going to be here tomorrow for the party and just have her standing over there next to an actor that might resemble the one that played the dad and, you know, pay them the day rate to be a friggin' walk-on. Don't give them any lines, but <laughs> and, and Tootie has a brother too. We met her brother last season. Where the fuck's her brother? Again, this is so important, this graduation. It's like, is it? Anyway. Why'd they have to give her the video thing? Why did why did they have to? That was just obtuse. It was just so over the top. Like, I'm come on. Like, like she didn't need a prop. The fact that your mother is there for your graduation is enough of a plot point. That's yeah. enough. That's I didn't need her to have that camera in everybody's face. And did you notice that Blair started laughing for no reason during their hug? When they met, when she walks out, she goes, Diane. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't. <laughs> Literally the thing is, overlapping for no reason. I swear, though, I think that in their yeah. mind, the camera was justifying the absence of the father. The idea was your father can't make it, but I'm going to record everything from him. I'm going to make sure he sees it all. And, and it's just like, ugh. so the, the again, the trope of Blair and Joe come in and greet Diane. And then Mrs. Garrett's like, uh, hi, I'm here. And Blair and Joe are like, Mrs. Garrett, oh my God. And then Diane's like, oh, wait, I wasn't recording. Do that again. But Mrs. Garrett is they're like, oh my God, hi, Mrs. Garrett. It's like, uh, okay, so Natalie in the common space cannot deal with some of the ambient sound of people passing through the room. But Blair and Joe in the kitchen cannot hear Andy come in, They, they couldn't hear in the other room, Andy loudly announcing the return of Mrs. Garrett. And we won't even talk about Natalie's complaints about not having enough space and ability to concentrate and all the distractions and stuff like that. It's like, girl, you have a bedroom that we know nobody is in. You could kick Tootie out of it. We know there is an attic that is at least somewhat livable, if not sleepable like another bedroom. You could set up a desk up in the attic if you needed to get away from them. It's like this house is not. And also, all of a sudden it bothers you. You've lived with these people in a dorm setting since you were 10, for <laughs> Christ's sake. Now this is now it's reached a point where you can't handle it anymore. Okay, I guess. Yeah, we, we needed that for this episode. It's just make it happen, make it a reality. Well, um, she says the the girls say talk about how they're going to have a banquet. They're going to plan this party and everything. And I wrote down this question for you too. She says, "Oh, I I rented the banquet hall at the Peekskill Hotel for the high school graduation party." I don't remember my high school graduation party, but I, I mean, in a way, but mine was like for family and stuff. Like it was like at our house and a keg was purchased and a cake. And that yeah. was it. like, did you have like, I mean, this looked pretty, pretty formal for me for a graduation party. I will. But 100% agree. We were, we, I, I had a pretty big family growing up and we had regular, like, like a summer. My, my birthday was in August 
So we would always have a thing for my birthday. And then we would have like a combo birthday Christmas thing for my sister um, in, around the holidays. So pretty much twice a year, we always had a big thing, like, like 60 people party with all the, the old ones and the youngins and all that stuff. So if there was a special occasion like a graduation or my parents' anniversary, we would just do another one of those type of family parties. And, and I agree with you, we never hired a band. We never hired an accordion player. We did not have cater waiters walking around with fucking platters of, of uh, deviled eggs. Uh, it's like, wow. And didn't you also say the fish too? Didn't you say caviar? Caviar is something deviled eggs. Oh, you're right. Was there caviar? <laughs> I, I think, think you're so. right. <laughs> Which I never had any of that. I'd be happy. It was at the house and I, I'm the youngest of six. So it's like a hundred million people in my family. So yeah, there was no hall or friends coming to it. It was family. Yeah. yeah. And this whole thing of, well, I'm her mother. You could have asked me if I was planning something for my kid's graduation. I've taken care of all of it. If you guys just make sure that all of her friends are invited. Mm-hmm. Well, all of her friends are going to be graduating and have catered parties of their own, apparently. <laughs> so that was weird. But we do have a couple of you know extras that are clearly supposed to be her peers. Um, but yeah. I, I could not agree with you more, Matthew, that this was an ex- exceptionally formal graduation party. But that's a TV trope too, isn't it? Oh my God, well, what are we going to do? We're going to have this big party for, uh, for Tom and Sheila's 25th anniversary. Oh my God, well, how are we going to, it's going to be a big surprise. It's like, I think they know that they've been married 25 years. I'm just making this up. I don't even know what the fuck that's from, but. <sighs> Something. We have two things coming up that I absolutely love. We have a musical theater reference and then we have a flashback. When Mrs. Garrett sees Tootie walking down the stairs in her cap and gown, and there's this, oh, my little girl coming out of Diane. And Mrs. Garrett says, oh, is this the little girl on roller skates? Is this the girl who used to just come up to here? And Joe, cause you know, Joe, when it comes to show tunes, Joe says, I think we're headed for Sunrise Sunset from Fiddler on the Roof. Is this the little girl I carried? You're welcome. (laughs) Why is the lesbian motorcycle owner being the one making the musical theater reference? I don't get it. But uh, and then Mrs. Garrett has a flashback to season one, episode five called Overachieving where it's a scene where Tootie and Natalie were in their groove of, they were thinking they wanted to be beauticians and cosmetologists. So little Natalie has got her hair in rollers, little 13 year old Natalie and little 12 year old Tootie. They're putting all the, you know, facial creams on and stuff. And she says, I want to look good because my dad is coming for career day. And uh, speaking of which, Natalie's sister was mentioned in that episode. Natalie's sister, who was a flight attendant, never, ever heard from or about again. Natalie is an only child, as far as we now understand. Show, Bible. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) But after we have this little flashback to this, and it is adorable to look back and see six years, how much Mrs. Garrett and Tootie and Natalie have changed. It was, what What did you think of that, Jen? Having not seen it and not experienced it. They were so little, uh, so little. I loved it. The line was really weird though. The way that she said that she's like, I gotta look good for my daddy. I'm like, 
what is she saying? It was just, <laughs> it was the delivery or something. It was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. 80s, 90s, 70s, I don't know. Yeah, that was, that was actually overachieving was the first episode broadcast in 1980. Four episodes were broadcast in 1979, but then this is an 80s sitcom, and especially now, Jesus, the aesthetic now. Um, okay. I just appreciated a flashback that um, where Edna looked 10 years older than she does in the current <laughs> season, for God's sake. She does. She was so portly. Jesus. Oh. She was big and round, and they were like, you know, if we tease up her hair and make her hair enormous, that'll make her mm. look smaller, right? That's that's a fashion tactic. That would be a they they would do that on what not to wear, wouldn't they? She looked like a traffic cone. <laughs> but yes, it is lovely to look back at that and be reminded of how much we've watched these girls grow up before our eyes. So then after Mrs. Garrett has her flashback, Diane talking about Tootie becoming a lawyer or maybe even a judge has a flash forward, imagining in a dream sequence, Tootie being the judge who swears in a future president at a future inauguration. And uh, the wording is so completely wrong where she says, you know, I do hereby declare, I'm gonna uphold the constitution. The wording is so fucking wrong <laughs> compared to what an actual presidential inauguration has to be. Um, no, no mention of who this president is, because typically the president will state their name when they're making their thing. Um, but this president is an older white guy. I know. Get up off the floor. And uh, I would think uh, to me, maybe, Matthew, you'll agree. I think this was President Glick. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's because he was unironically wearing those gigantic gigantic square windshield glasses frames like Jiminy Glick. Oh, I was just confused as to why they didn't make her the president. I, thank you. Thought. Yes. Okay. So wait, in the way that she worded it, I didn't even see the robe or anything. And I was just like, oh, she's going to be president. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. 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 That, that was a writing fail for me because you're talking about a future. You could have created anything. They could, she could have said the first um, woman on the moon. She could have said any, the first woman queen of Canada. I don't know. She could have said <laughs> anything. And she chose Supreme Court justice. And not Oops. even the first female Supreme Court. The president says, I just want to say what an honor it is to be sworn in by the second woman justice of the supreme court yeah and then it cuts to tootie and she says something like Yo, ain't nothing but a thing you know it's i don't know what she says but something yeah. like it's nothing i just wish they would have said she could even be president i think so too so tootie gets a phone call the audition time has changed and now it directly conflicts with graduation and they're like oh no that sucks isn't it that's terrible yeah and tootie says too bad i'm gonna miss graduation Ooh, from the audience. Reaction shots of Blair. Reaction shot of Joe. Reaction shot of Blair. Reaction shot of Mrs. Garrett. Dun, 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 dun. Faded commercial. 
It was an awkwardly long pause, though, where Tootie was looking around at everybody and they were all looking at her. It literally looked like she had just farted and was waiting for somebody to say, excuse me. (laughs) Like there was a long pause where like I was like, cut, 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 cut. Oh, deodorizer. Jesus. So then we go to commercial. But uh, while we're at commercial spot in the show, Jen, we'd like to do a little interview, get to know our guest a little bit better. Introduce you, uh, a thriving, growing, amazingly talented member of the arts community to my tens of listeners. Yay! Jen Gannon, where were you born? (laughs) Oh, um, Baltimore, Maryland. Baltimore, okay. Interesting. Were you near the DC area? Did you? We had horses, farms. It oh. was beautiful. Yeah, love, love, love. And then um, my dad worked for Delta Airlines. And one day we came down, we visited Florida, and my mom's like, we're not going home. There's snow and everything else. And that's pretty much what it was. They opened uh, International Airport and my dad transferred. And I was down in Florida when I was about nine, something like that. So I pretty, wow. I grew up in Florida. So yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. you did that. But uh, your your Baltimore years, that, that sounds very rural. That's not like you were a walking the streets of DC and hanging outside of Congress and- No, no, I didn't do any crack <laughs> or anything. It was more like a farm riding horses and yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> Grew up Catholic and yeah, all that. So a question Matthew likes to phrase this way, what bit ya? When did you first start getting the acting bug? Wait a minute, David, if you're gonna use my line, at least say it right. Oh, what did I say? What did I do? Say you it. You said, what bit ya? That's not how it said, is that? That's not the line reading, is that? Is, is it? I don't know what I did. Jen, what bitch? <laughs> oh, it makes so much more sense now. Thank you for that clarity. Uh, <laughs> uh, my older sister, Stacy, would um, go, she started doing musicals at a little theater, um, shoestring theater, and, and another one in uh, Deland. And I would go to rehearsals with her. And she were, you guys knew um, Sabrina. Sabrina Bellini? Um, she, oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So I went and he was directing her in Greece. And um, the next production for Pirates of Penzance, I jumped in and just didn't stop. Wow. Since then. How so old I, were you? Yeah, yeah. I started, I started performing when I was about, I think it was like 11, Oh, okay. 12. So that's pretty young. So you said you did study a little bit, but you did not finish your studies? Yeah, yeah. Um, right after high school, going into college, I got cast for a little show called Bill and Ted. Um, it was my first gig at Universal. And wow. I know, it's crazy. They're like, you've never seen the show before? I'm like, no, I've never seen it. I wonder if they'd be surprised to know you had not seen Facts of Life as well. You know what? I just, I wing it. I've been winging everything. God, I'm a terrible, I'm a terrible person. <laughs> and they cast you in the role of Blair. And the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope I get her. She's my favorite. You love, love Blair? Her. Oh, good. Interesting. Like so yeah, Bill and Ted, for those who are <laughs> listening, don't know, Bill and Ted is uh, the former, they don't do it anymore, but at the time it was the creme de la creme entertainment Halloween offering at Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. And anybody who was anybody 
wanted to get into the Bill and Ted show. Yeah, isn't that crazy? I love it. I love it. Yeah, I did um, Carrie from Sex and the oh, City. Oh, I totally see it. Totally see it. Yep. So where did you study for, for the time you did go to college? I went to Seminole and oh, okay. Daytona. Yeah, they're Seminole State. Yes. I was looking back. We've, we, you know, see each other occasionally at work at Universal. And then I went to text you about something with this recording. And I looked in the last time you and I had text was 2014. And it was to trade a disaster shift. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking long ago that was. Holy <laughs> shit. That show. Uh, I miss that show every day. It was the hardest show. David, I know you agree with me. We had to pick we had 45 mm-hmm. volunteers. 40, we had 45. It was so many people. And I miss it. I miss that show so much. The green room, the the setup, the the music immersion with, you know, Christopher Walken, like, yeah. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it so much. And therefore I'm sorry it had to go away. Like all great theme park rides do. And then uh, as of late, more recently, you were, were you with Kimberly Duncan over at Terminator? Super. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was. Was that your full-time thing before <laughs> T2 closed? Uh, yeah. And then since yeah. then, we see you on occasion over at uh, at the horror makeup show. Do you do? I'm loving the shilling. It's I'm fun. It. And uh, you also have done uh, other projects outside. I first became aware of you uh, doing some of the Steve McKinnon shows. I saw you oh, in um, Psycho, Psycho Beach, Beach Party. <laughs> oh, Berdeen. That is oh. such a fun show. And I also saw you in The Rabbit Hole at Theater Downtown, which is oh my a God, heartbreaking drama starring our friend, the wonderful Jamie Lynn Marcus. And then, Jen, you also were part of the company of Joe's NYC Bar with oh, a group of locals, it. a group yeah. of local actor improvisers who did the show, not just at the Orlando Fringe, you guys went to fucking Edinburgh and did the world famous fringe festival that started it all in fucking Scotland. Yep, in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. <laughs> Edinburgh. Oh my God, I had so much fun. It was amazing. Yeah, and you did that with Tim Williams, Jody Chase, John Pelkey, was he in it? Yes, all of the fuckers. Mark, everyone. Mark Ferreira was in it. John Connan. John Connan, Christian Kelty, everyone. Wanzi, oh, we went well, Jen, I am so happy that our, our paths have crossed enough, and I love working with you currently at the wonderful Sleuth's Mystery Dinner Theater. So much fun. And I love you. So anyway, Jen, Gannon, enough about you. <laughs> we have to get back to the facts of life. We have to figure out yes. how this conundrum, this quandary is going to resolve itself. As we come back from commercial, Tootie and her mother get into it. We've been over it a hundred times, first college, then law school. Uh, Then if you wanna be an actress, we'll talk. I've got to pause here. We went through this before when we were dealing with uh, Natalie. It's like, you know where you're going to college by the time you graduate. That shit's already gotta be wrapped up. Am I right? I'm, I'm, I'm not remembering that incorrectly, am I? 
No, you got to you got to take the placement test. You have to apply for different colleges. All but, of yeah, that. I knew I knew I was going I knew that I was going to college and where I was going to college before I left high school. You got to do that shit ahead of time. So the idea that, you, you, you know, your graduation day is Friday and well, then you've got some plans you got to make, Miss Girl. It's like, but no, this should already have been. These are conversations that should have already taken place months ago. <sighs> and now, I know it's a sitcom trope, but I mean, you are a 17 year old child. You're and again, this is what we had this conversation when Natalie was like, I'm not going to, to college. And her mom was like, oh, OK. And I was like, no, I'm no, I'm team mom telling them you're going to college. <laughs> This is not a discussion we're having. I, I mean, yes, I get it. You want to be an actress. I'm sorry. You are going <laughs> to college. Like, I, I, the older I get, the more team parent I am. And the more I'm a little upset that her mom isn't like, bitch, you are going <laughs> to college. Yeah. Your writing is terrible. You're going to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are not 18. I am not a consultant. I'm the CEO of right. the Duty Corporation, bitch. <laughs> yeah, this is not up for discussion. They're not having a vote. Like, parenthood is not a democracy. It is, and maybe, and again, I do not have children. I have a cat. <laughs> and the other thing is, and trust me, it is not a democracy between me and my cat no she runs it, this fucking place it's it's a dictatorship judy judy judy, judy. yes <laughs> well um my thing is that you know they have to pare things down to the um the, the thing that drives me crazy about sitcoms is how they feel they have to be so reductive Otherwise, they're not going to make sense. Like in, in terms of economy, this idea of I am going to college. I'm not going to college. And yes, you are. No, you're not. Why couldn't this have been? Oh, yeah, yeah I am going to college. That's done. Yes, we're going and I'm going to the school. I'm going to the school that you want me to go to, mom. But I'm planning to major in theater and have her say, no, we you know you want to take theater classes you still have to have a you know a bigger thing there there are compromises there or at the very least there are cans you can kick down the road to say okay you're going to get your required courses out of the way the first two years because you are going to college period what you're going to graduate with that's another story but you can you can kick that can down the road a good couple of years from what I recall when I went to college back. And I think it was the, I think it was the plioplasticine era. But uh, the fact that they couldn't have just done that, that would have been something slightly more believable that yeah, college is happening. And anyway, uh, so the deal is they even turned to Blair and Joe and Blair and Joe are kind of like, yeah, you should go to your graduation. And similar to like what you guys said, I, the only thing I, I can remember about graduation was it was just cool to be there with the kids that I did know. I didn't have a lot of friends in, in high school and I was, I was in the concert choir and we did sing the national anthem. So, I did too. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'll post a video. I do have one. I'll post it on the website for this show. Um, but the deal is 
you know, I at least got to, there was some performance, some level of performance there. I wasn't just sitting there waiting to have a diploma handed to me. And when I graduated from college, two years after I was supposed to, took me that long to clean up the courses and finish everything and get my shit together. I didn't walk. I could have walked. I could have, you know, I wasn't living there anymore. I didn't walk and there was nothing about it because I didn't really know if I wanted to go to college. And Matthew, I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum where I wouldn't have a problem with a kid who says, I want to take a year off. I would be like, okay, but the next year you will be going to school. Do you want to take a year off and just work? You want to start paying me rent or get an apartment with your friends and just get a little taste of the real world and then go back into it. I would totally be up for that because I think I could have benefited from a year to kind of figure stuff out. I just went to college because it was the next thing to do and I didn't know what else to do. I've said it before and I will say it again as a now middle-aged man who is unemployed and has sent out more job applications in the past year and received zero interviews and I'm convinced it's because I do not have a college education that I'm not even getting in the door on these places. So like I said, the older I am, the more I'm like, I would have a conversation with the younger Matthew. Fascinating. But I mean, again, I don't have children. I, so I don't, I can't speak to how I would actually really react if a kid came to me. Are they mature? Are, do I feel like they are capable? You know, there's yeah. a lot of things. And Tootie is not mature enough to make these decisions. No. <laughs> no. Just my uh, opinion. I don't mean that like in a male dominating kind of like she needs somebody to take care of. You know what I mean? At all. <laughs> I just Her immaturity shows in the very next scene, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Oh, totally. But before that happens, we have all of the shouting and altercation of this conversation taking place about the audition, about whether to go to graduation. Finally, Natalie comes storming down the stairs. Why? Because she's annoyed with the noise. So she just grabs the phone, dials, 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 pretends to be Wendy Morris from the IBC agency, and in a flash of beautifully delivered borscht belt rhythmed, amazing, hilarious awesomeness. Natalie basically says she has a prior commitment. Yeah, it's been on her calendar for 17 years. So uh, this and that, right. And she hangs the phone and she says, you graduate at noon, uh, auditions at five, parties at seven. Now everyone shut the fuck up so I can write. And then leaves the room. And I mean, wow. That was a Mindy Cohn when it was beautiful. Though at the same time, all of this conversation now downstairs, she was upstairs typing. This was too much noise. (laughs) And so that's why she basically came down and did all this amazingness to shut everybody up so she could have some peace and quiet and be creative. (sighs) Anyway, question, two questions. Number one, she says she's had this on her calendar for 17 years. Tootie as a 17 year old, could she even go on a touring company, professional or non-professional, without her mother's permission? Ooh. Uh, I, I think even, you'd have to get your mother's permission, right? I think you would have to take your mother with you as yeah. your chaperone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or have, have a legal guardian with you, I think. But 
I'm, you know, maybe yeah, not. maybe not. No, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in agreement. And then, Jen, we have an unfortunate situation here. We've talked about the show Bible. Natalie says this has been on Tootie's calendar for 17 years. Tootie should rightfully be 18 years old based upon the fact that she was 12 in season one. Oh no. So she should be 18. They de-aged her somewhere in an earlier season. So we had her at 17 and I was not happy about it, but I was like, okay, Tootie is 17, wonderful. Until a few weeks ago, when they wanted Tootie to go get her driver's license. And instead of just saying, well, she's getting it now that she's 17, she's doing it late, whatever reason, instead yeah. in that episode, they explicitly say Tootie is 16. What? During the flashback, she was putting like the face cream on for her dad for career day. How old was she then? She was, the character was 12, Kim she Fields. So little. Kim Fields was 10, playing 12. Okay, yes, yes. So part of what they were doing, de-aging her this additional year a few weeks ago, it's because Kim Fields was getting her driver's license because Kim Fields was 16. (laughs) And it's, again, she's 16, and then a few weeks later, we have to have her graduate. Nobody is 16 when they graduate from high school. That's that's too young. It's like you can't get into school in the cycle of where your birthday is and be 16 and graduate, unless you're a genius and take the things early and, you know, they recruit you to NASA. Matthew uh, gets exhausted because I will not stop harping on the inconsistencies of the ages of the girls. So I will not talk anymore about it. All I was (laughs) saying is in this season, Tootie was supposed to be 17. The driver's ed episode, they made her 16. And now as she's graduating at the end of the season, somehow conveniently, they've made her 17 again. I'm just going to keep sticking with Tootie is 17. And the next year, next season, she will be 18. I have spoken. (laughs) So then we go to the party. The party's in full swing. Live band, waiters, as we talked about. A ridiculous display. Uh, Andy, the horniest 12-year-old boy on television, Jen, is trying to pick up a high school senior he claims to be in high school too, says he drives an Alfa Romeo. <laughs> Again, you're the dog chasing the bus. What did you think you were going to do with the girl? Did... <laughs> He's, he, I, I'm telling you, Carl Anthony was, I, was it Carl Anthony who labeled him the horny child, Matthew? Yes. Yeah, we have Carl Anthony to thank for that. Oh, Carl said that today. I love that. Yeah, Yeah, that little kid is crazy. He's like, I guess I'll go after 15-year-olds then or something. Yeah, and I'm not going after 16-year-olds. I'm going to go after 15-year-olds. I'm going to lower the bar a little bit. But it's just ridiculous. So um, Natalie shows up late, but it's because she's found the perfect apartment. And uh, the perfect apartment. Put a pin in that until next episode. (laughs) (laughs) The season finale, right? Yeah, it is. It is. And spoiler alert, the apartment is a shit hole. Oh, my God. Holy fuck balls. Well, you know where it is. If you want to watch it, that's do so at your own discretion, because it's another pip of an episode, Jen. Hi. But they also notice that Tootie's not there. So Mrs. Garrett says, oh, she's still at her audition. She must be knocking them dead. 
<laughs> and then we cut to Tootie's audition. Oh, lesser. This is face palms. <laughs> face palms. Hashtag that I am doing because this is not the only time on a TV show where they have shown us an audition that is so completely wrong and fucked up and just not anywhere related to the reality of what an audition is. And I find it so uncomfortable and so embarrassing and it is so hard for me to watch. This was excruciating. Do you agree? Details like that really horrible, pathetic pink tails that she had in the post. I'm like, oh, come on. The pigtails is part of the problem, Jen, because when do you dress like a character for a fucking audition? When do you go no. so in costume? That's like, that's like fucking community theater. <laughs> now she's gone on tour. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, d- to talk about something, Matthew, I'm sure you have notes and I, I, I just can't. Well, just, is this what middle America thinks auditions are? Is this what non-showbiz people think it's like to audition? Apparently so, yeah. It's not. And no. I mean, it's it's like, uh, you've done this before, Tootie. Like, you, you're, you're an actress. You should know the first rule of auditions is don't show up in a costume, for Christ's sake. And another audition, no, no. Don't sing a song from the show. Cringy, cringy. Well, if this was a callback, maybe I could get, I could almost forgive them that because this is theoretically a callback where she has already said the director wants her. This is a formality where she thinks the producer just needs to hear her and it's a done deal. So I could almost forgive that, but continue. I'm sorry I interrupted. No, that's it. This would play so much better if she was good, it's like she's auditioning like a 10 year old, like mm. like she's up for a Shirley Temple part or something. And it, it's just the, the she, Kim Fields is good. Why is your choice when you have to play an actress to be a bad actress? Why, why wouldn't you make Tootie a good actress? I could not agree more. And then the whole thing of uh, they say, very nice, thank you. And later on in the episode where she says, they said, thank you. Everyone knows when you're an actor, that's the kiss of death. I didn't, I wrote that down. I'm like, what? I know not, I've never heard of that before. Or should I have known? No, it's not. <laughs> okay, they said, very nice, thank you. If they yeah. had just said, thank you, then it might and be. And then she made it awkward with the producer, now director, because she didn't leave. No, you exactly. She stayed there. She's like, huh, no. but but I got the part, right? And it's like, huh? We're her going, wait, that's it? Well, you don't have to see anybody else. I'm Dorothy. The director says I'm Dorothy. And the voice says, uh, well, I'm the producer and I'm directing the show now. That director's no longer on the project. And then she starts pleading for the role and acting cringy and quoting the songs in her speech and uh, finally the man dismisses her and now this goes out the window you haven't experienced life yet young lady we're looking for someone with a little grit to play dorothy (laughs) from the wizard of uh, yeah from Uh, from kansas uh, 
who is 16, by the way. The role of Dorothy Gale is 16. Not 24-year-old Diana Ross in the movie. In the stage version of The Wiz, Dorothy is 16, just like Judy Garland was in the original Wizard of fucking Oz. It is so fucking cringy. And this, there is no reason this scene could not have been written to make sense and reflect some form of reality. To have her sing and have him say, that's very nice, thank you, we'll let you know. And have her say, thank you so much. Oh, I had thought that uh, Johnny was gonna be here too. Oh yeah, Johnny's not the director anymore. It's just me, the producer, and I'm choosing it. And she's like, oh, we're seeing other people and we'll let you know, thank you. But this, but then to tag with you, haven't experienced life yet. This is gonna come back. This is critical to the text of the episode, the subtext. Can I ask Jen a question now? Because Please. I would like your opinion on it as well. Having, Have you had a terrible audition? Have you ever had an audition where you were just like, I'm gonna go? <laughs> yeah. Um, I would have to say all of my Disney auditions, just considering the location that they have them, the echo chamber, for some strange reason, I don't understand why it's in that building. Um, uh, I've got a lot of callbacks with them, but there was one that I just kind of was picking up that they weren't picking up white girls and I'm extremely white. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hi, I'm Irish and German. Okay, I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go. Um, Yeah, so that, and also um, I was uh, under the representation with, God, Greta. And she oh, sent me to Tampa. God, Greta. But I remember walking in and it was like, I don't know if it was like a Kmart or Walmart or some stupid cashier or whatever. And I was ready for it, walked in, drove over the bridge, found it, everything. And she's like, if another white girl walks in the room, and I'm like, I'm just going to drive back home now. Why? <laughs> like, why? throw me out there like come on oh, oh girl oh my god man have you matthew had a, had a terrible audition experience oh plenty anytime they'd go okay we need you to stay for the dance call i'm like no you don't <laughs> i promise you you don't want me to stay for the dance call mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah one time I'm trying to think of my worst. I, I did this in my cabaret. It wasn't quite like this, but literally the first Disney audition, uh, I think it was the Voices of Liberty. And I went in and I sang Maria from West Side Story. Oof. I was young. And uh, I, I tell the story that I went, I'll never stop saying Maria, the most beautiful sound I ever heard. Marie, thank you. I don't think it happened that way quite yet, but they did stop me before I even had to get up to floating the Maria. So, <laughs> well, they probably heard enough vibrato in that. They were just yeah. like, we're good. We're good here. Yeah. Dance calls are just, ugh, they're the fucking worst. They're terrible. They're so awful. But um, good question, Matthew. I'm glad, glad you asked that. That's fun. Yeah. So then um, finally, when all of this cringiness ends, when we can stop looking off to the side of the TV screen and not look directly at it, because it is just so, so awfully uncomfortable. Back at the party, (laughs) Natalie is trying to break the news to Blair and Joe, 
and not doing very well, being a little too verbose. And I feel like they're just padding for time at this point. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, we can cut right to the end where Natalie shows up. I mean, because <laughs> I mean, honestly, it was just dragging this out. Mrs. Garrett going outside to find Tootie, walking directly like face first into the elevators and looking around before she sees Tootie off to her left. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> like she was like, well, of course you can't see her, Edna. You're standing an inch and a half away from the door to the elevator. So. Like we get it. You're supposed to walk in and not see her and then notice her. But oh, Edna, that was a choice. (laughs) And even she says when Tootie is sitting there moping, like, I can't go into that party. Yeah, I lost the part. Mrs. Garrett says, well, Tootie, you know, rejection is a part of show business. I want her to say, even I know that bitch. What the hell? So she says, come on, Tootie. This is your party. I I wish Mrs. Garrett had been a little bit more firm with her and saying, Tootie, there is a party in there that your mother has put a lot of time and effort and money into, and your friends are there. You're going to put a smile in your face and be the actress that I know you are and go in there and do this for fuck's sake. So (laughs) she does agree to go in, but she barely can can see. Yeah, I guess I'm able to smile a little bit as they sing to me. (laughs) Again, the music starts. Happy graduation to you. Mm. Happy graduation. Is that a song? I've never heard of that song before ever in my life. No. And everybody knew just from hearing the orchestra go da 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 da. Oh, this is when we sing happy graduation to you. (laughs) I would, if everybody started singing, I'd be like, what are we saying? Graduation? Okay. Is there a chart? Is Is there a lead sheet? I didn't get that. What key are we in? I didn't, yeah. So um, Tootie breaks down after somebody mentions a drama club award that she uh, received during graduation. And Tootie breaks down. It's like, what is this? What's going on? And Tootie's like, I didn't get the part. And Diana's got like, <laughs> oh, darling, that's terrible. I'm so unhappy to hear that. <laughs> well, it's funny if she did that, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we something interesting, at least something honest. Um, So finally, Diane says in that great parental way of, well, she didn't get it. So I'm safe to say, oh, sweetie, if I known you wanted it bad enough, I wouldn't have stood in your way. And those are words that will come back to haunt us. (laughs) We got one more line, David, we can do it. (laughs) So then Natalie goes up to give a speech saying congratulations to you and graduating and everybody I've rented an apartment and I'm moving out. I know we're all here to celebrate Tootie, but I'm going to make this all about me. That was so weird. It was so awkward. And Natalie (laughs) says, if I'm ever going to be a writer, I need to experience life, the pain, the suffering. And then Tootie goes, the grit. He was right. I'm never going to be an actress until I experience life. And thanks, mom, for not standing in my way. Meaning that one line you just said, I'm taking you at your word. And apparently you are going to keep your word there in the next episode. Tootie runs up. I have an announcement too. Natalie, I'm moving in with you. Wop, what up, wop, what up, <laughs> To be continued ish jen i know we only gave you the first half of this two-parter you're welcome 
please feel free to enjoy the other part of this, but uh, Tootie's mother is not in it. The whole conflict of Tootie being an actress versus school and whatever, totally not there. It's literally, this episode could have ended instead of Natalie being, what? This could have been Natalie saying, that's great, Tootie, awesome. Put their arms around each other and just have it be a standalone episode. Yeah. Because but really- they wanna, they're, they're linking it for no reason. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. And this wasn't an hour special. This was a two-parter. Next week, the, the, the second part of this did air a week later. It's not like it was a special hour-long Facts of Life. But yeah, next episode is literally just them moving into an apartment. And, and the hilarity that ensues there. None of these graduation things, career choices, maternal conflicts, uh, none of this is there in, in part two. It's, it's really a very standalone episode. Oh. So otherwise I would have subjected you to the other half and we would have discussed it and done two shows out of it. But again, uh, I like you too much. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> what are some thoughts, Jen? What did you think jumping into the show like this? Oh, my goodness. I love it. I actually I want to watch it because this is up my alley on just, you know, after Andrew goes to bed and I watch girl shows, I'm just over Lucifer. So I'm going to need something to jump in on. And now I have the Pluto is what I put on my apple. So I, I can totally jump in it from the beginning. I'm loving the hair. Oh my God. Oh. All the mullets and the bangs. Oh. And, uh, that's why I wore my hair big. I had to. Just, I you know. love it. Your hair is awesome. It's got a kind of a rocker chick thing going on. I'm so hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could have seen the store, the retail store that they all are partners in and manage because it's like a, a color splash Spencer's gifts without the vibrators. Yay! <laughs> or at least great. they might be if they are there behind the counter and we don't see them. Let's oh, there. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, the aesthetic of this is really it is it does get eighties tastic, and the writing has taken a significant dip this season. Matthew and I are talking about it all the time. Oh, look at look at his shock! Matthew just went what? <laughs> I will say yeah. this. I pause. I paused <laughs> at the end of this episode and I was like, you cannot go on that podcast and just rip it apart, which I did. But I will say this. It is no different than the episode of the Golden Girls when Rose and Blanche are in the community production of Cats, for Christ's sake, to 60 year old women in cat suits. Yeah. It is no different than the episode where they become the um, the three merry widows or whatever, and they're the dance troupe, you ah. know. So it's just delightful '80s fluff. This is what Middle America thought acting was. I personally would have written it to where she bombed the audition, but we didn't see it. Like she would have come back and had that conversation with Mrs. Garrett about how awful the audition was and just allowing us to envision. Well, it would have been fine if I hadn't stepped in bubble gum the minute I walked on stage and then had oh. to stand and sing on the stairs. And it would have been nice if um, the piano player had played it um, in the octave that I wanted to sing it in. I sounded like Maria Callas trying to <laughs> sing Ease On Down the Road. You ever heard Maria Callas sing, sing Ease On Down the Road? 
you never will. You know, I would have written it so the, the audition went so ridiculous, but we didn't see any of it. Like mm -hmm. she had to keep saying when she came back, you know, Joker said, how'd the audition go? It was fine until my panties fell down halfway through, you know, whatever. <laughs> like it was fine until I belched, you know, into the microphone. But I don't know. It's just a fun little slice of ridiculousness that sets up this next episode. So I wasn't as mad at it. I, I do like this like base of show it's kind of like watching friends like I don't have to worry I don't have to be you know what I'm saying like that just that world I just I love that I love it check your brain at the door yes yeah 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 I just finished squid game so I'm like I needed this I need <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to know anything about their characters you got who they were from this episode you get mm -hmm. who they are see true Yes. Here for, here for it. <laughs> well, we have come to the end, Jen. And I cannot thank you enough for giving us your time to watch this and record this with us. I'm so, so happy to have been able to get you on the show. Until next time, smooches, my dear, and goodbye. Mwah. This is a blast. Matthew, David, thank you, thank you, thank you. I loved it. And there you have it. That was Jen Gannon. To be continued. So the only thing I didn't get to mention was in talking about the inconsistency regarding where Mrs. Garrett is and uh, whether she's visiting Beverly Ann, why were they in Jersey with the Winnebago a few weeks back. Uh, the only other thing I meant to bring up is I believe in an episode of Different Strokes, Mrs. Garrett mentions that she has a sister who lives in Seattle. So I don't know if uh, that could be a different sister. I suspect not. Uh, but I don't think that Beverly Ann is from Seattle or at any point has lived there. We will find out as we <laughs> very soon will be entering the Beverly Ann years of the show. Those are going to be um, fun and uh, interesting. Yeah, that's the ticket. But until then, next week, we still have to close out season seven. That's going to be with my friend, actor Dan Johnson. And it's going to be season seven, episode 24, called The Apartment. You can watch the show ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com or at Pluto TV. I will post links in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts. <laughs> <laughs>